When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, first question. My Atlanta Braves and your Red Sox are division champs, so everything is good, right? Nothing else matters? Everything's fine. Let's not talk about ACC football this entire podcast. Yeah, this is a baseball podcast now. Um, nothing nothing is the matter. Everything is fine. And uh, the ACC is in just perfectly good shape. I think that's that's probably a fair assessment here. Uh, completely fair assessment, but we brought on another individual to help us here because Joey, you and I trying to break this down isn't nearly enough. Yeah, let's um, let's just check and make sure our assumptions are valid. We we've uh, looked forward to bringing on a, a new guest. We've talked about bringing her on for a while, I think actually, and we were glad to actually get her on. Lauren Brownlow of ninety nine nine The Fan in Raleigh and WRALSportsFan.com is joining us. Uh, Lauren, a big ACC sports enthusiast in general. Lauren, are we correct here in thinking that there is absolutely nothing the nothing the matter in the ACC this weekend? No, sure. Why did something happen? Is this? <laughs> did they have a bad weekend? Um, yeah, no, it probably wasn't very good. And I'm I'm one who will usually downplay some of that because I think it can be a little overblown. I think especially like first weekends can be overblown, but. Um, not this time. This was not good at all. <laughs> yeah, not not in a really the best showing from the ACC this weekend. Needless to say, let's jump right in. And Mike, we're going to start with your Hokies. Oh, good, uh, excellent. Where Great. where else should we start? Uh, yeah, well, Old Dominion forty nine, number thirteen, Virginia Tech thirty five. Oh my uh, god! This good. this was pretty much just a straight up disaster. Uh yeah really was um how does the 49 part even happen like the loss is one thing right like you could look at it and like what if they lose like 23 to 9 or something like you could look at that and go okay you know stuff happens who knows but like a bud foster team to allow old dominion to score 49 points i'm still completely baffled by this how does that happen how does that happen 632 total yards of offense for old dominion yeah. Isn't that the most against a Bud Foster defense or is like up there? Most against a Bud Foster defense. From Old Dominion. Like, <laughs> think about all the great offenses that they've played against and shut down or like limited. Yes. And Old Dominion's the one. Yeah. How does that ha- I don't, I still am scratching my head and I don't understand it. I really don't. Everyone's favorite NFL quarterback prospect, Blake LaRussa, goes for right? 30, 30 for 49 for 495, four touchdowns, no picks. And he wasn't even the starter. Oh. <laughs> well, he will be now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I like, you know, it's one of those things like you look at, and we'll get to Boston College shortly, but you look at them facing Purdue. Purdue's 0 and 3, but Purdue is like a good 0 and 3 in air quotes, right? Because Purdue has like some close losses against some good teams. You looked at Old Dominion's 0-3, and you're like, well, let's check this 0-3. And And you're like, eh, not so good. You get housed by Liberty. You lose relatively close ones. You still lose to Charlotte and FIU. Those are not – that's not a good 0-3. That's not even a good 0-3. So I don't even – it's just – I mean, I thought Virginia Tech was a little too high. I don't remember – I didn't have them that high in my last poll, but they were not 13 high. I thought that was too high. And this is even even still, I didn't see them having any chance of losing at ODU. I've seen locally like North Carolina has gone to ODU NC State has gone to ODU and worse and like better ODU teams, I mean, and taken care of them. So I, ha- I didn't think there was any chance of this happening. And yet here we are. 
Well, good news, Lauren. I have a I have one really good thing to say. I took the over. Um, <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. So uh that's the good news. That is good uh, news for you. Yes. yes. That's the good news. The uh the bad news is that when Joey and I were breaking this down in the preview, I said, okay, well, maybe Virginia Tech hits the over by by themselves, right? And Joey and I were in complete agreement. And then whoops. Um oh. Wrong Someone team. did. It was over. the wrong team. Yep. Wrong team. Ugh. Um, What else happened here? Josh Jackson probably broke yes. his ankle. Uh, I mean, we've got this far and haven't even talked about that, but it's a huge deal. Yeah. Probably broke his ankle. Um, yeah. Your ankle is not supposed to bend that way. Uh, yeah. Got rolled up on a running play. He was not very good. He was 8 of 16 for 151, two touchdowns and a pick. Uh, Virginia Tech fan base, of course, clamoring for anybody other than Josh Jackson for one reason or another. Ryan Willis comes in in relief, and they're scrambling to score uh, when he enters the game. He goes 9 of 18, 131, and a touchdown. Looked fine. Um, how's Virginia Tech's offense looking? going to look moving forward, everybody? Probably not good. Yeah, and I wasn't too convinced that it was good to begin with. So there's also that. And even in the win over Florida State, I felt like that was still more defensive driven. And my biggest, well, my biggest hesitation with them, to be honest, was actually their defense entering the season. And then with the way they played against FSU, I thought, okay, well, maybe I'm wrong um, about that. But I still felt like the offense was kind of met in that game. And that was my biggest hesitation with them. Both I didn't think their offense was great. And then I worried that they had too many question marks on defense because they usually make up for it there. Um, and I guess it all kind of came home to roost big time in this game. I'm not, um, I'm not super optimistic about what Virginia Tech can do offensively moving forward. I think that they'll probably play way better defensively this weekend against Duke. I mean, that's a low bar, I guess, but <laughs> I think that they will. Um, and it'll be the batter, battle of backup quarterbacks. And Quentin Harris is going to be a little easier to defend than Daniel Jones would have been. And I think it will be Quentin Harris. I'm pretty sure about that. But yeah, I mean, I, I think. I'm just not super optimistic about what they can do offensively. And I think it's still going to have to come down to what their defense can do. This game just reeked of Virginia tech completely falling asleep at the wheel. I mean, yes. Again, this is a, this is a game where regardless of who you lost coming into the year and how your offense is performing and all that, I mean, no, you, you have, still have to beat this team. You have such a wild talent discrepancy over this team. Like you cannot lose this game. I was telling Mike before we came on here, I was watching this game in the last five or six minutes, and Old Dominion was running the ball down their throats. I mean, and just having their way on offense. Like, I don't know how this happens. I'm with you, Lauren. I don't, I don't get it. This is a crazy upset game. Virginia yes. Tech, a 28-point favorite, comes away losing. It's ridiculous. Uh, I got nothing else to add other than Virginia Tech ran for 318 yards. I'm not even really sure how it happened. I guess 87. That's a good thing, though. It, it is, but like 87. Yeah, Stephen Peoples looks good thing. Yeah. But still, like that's not something that Virginia Tech has always consistently been able to do lately. So I don't think that's a bad thing. But yeah, that's still that's all I got. <laughs> yeah, offensively, that's about all I have too. Um, so Justin Fuente in year three, what we've learned is they're good for one dud a season, and I knew it was coming, but I didn't know it would be this game. I, I'm with you on that. I think I knew it would come, but I didn't think it would be this. And I guess this is like his way of, of um, an homage to Frank Beamer. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. And it would be very much, it would be very much on stream, mainstream, whatever, for Virginia Tech to now rattle off like four or five wins in a row. That would be super homage to Frank. Yeah. yeah. And then lose again because that's, that's what they do. Yeah. So, not good, Joey. Not great. One more thing to just put the cherry on top before we move on is Trayvon Hill has been dismissed from the team we found out today. Yeah, that was uh, weird. Was. Yeah, so Virginia Tech now, with basically its best defensive lineman now off the team. So it's it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, yeah and there's like rumors of a fight or something in the yeah. locker room. I, I don't know. He was on thin ice to begin with. And <laughs> straw that breaks the camel's back. Not good. So overall, a losing weekend for Virginia Tech, we'll say. Not not how you drew it up. Um, Old Dominion 49, Virginia Tech 35. We'll move on. Purdue 30, number 23, Boston College 13. Boston College just got ranked. This put me so far in my feelings because I have been ranking them. I think I ranked them for like the entire season, actually. I have ranked them for the entire season. 
Um, even in the preseason, I had Boston College ranked and I was getting some grief for it. But I was like, look, I like what they have. I think they're, they have NFL talent on that defense. A.J. Dillon's really good. And I felt validated by the way they'd played in the first few games, even though, it, you know, admittedly it was against nobody. But yeah, that's I'm I'm, I'm sorry. That was bad. Not even that competitive in this game, Mike. No. Bad, 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 bad. Anthony Brown, too, by the way. I was going to say, Anthony Brown, a pumpkin again, it turns out. Um, (laughs) 13 to 27 for 96 yards, a touchdown, and four picks. Four. Yeah. Uh, Well, we said that the key to Boston College offense wasn't A.J. Dillon. It was quarterback play, and it's been quarterback play for quite some time. Yep. I still think Anthony Brown's pretty good, but this was not a good effort. 13 to 27, didn't even eclipse the 100-yard mark, only 96 yards passing, touchdown and four picks. That's way more like old school Boston College than like the BC we've been seeing this year. And it's it's disappointing. But I, as with most things, the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle about which Anthony Brown we're going to see the rest of the way. If you, told me a week, if you told me a week ago that Boston College was going to finish this game and A.J. Dillon was only going to have 59 rushing yards, I would think he got hurt. Right. Not that he had 20 carries that went for 59 yards. You know, like that's okay. against Purdue's defense. I don't know that's how that right. happens. Yep. That's what I don't get. Yeah. Or that Anthony Brown probably had like three or 400 yards passing and five or six touchdowns and everybody was chilling out on the bench. Um, yeah, something. Yeah. Some random running back went in and had a bunch of yards. <laughs> yeah. No, not this. Yeah. Oh. Yep. Ugly. Uh, there's nothing really good to say about BC's effort here. Um, they give up almost 300 yards in the air and three touchdowns on defense. Um, rushing defense, of course, was fine like it usually is. Um, Rondale Moore tore them up he is an unbelievable player for Purdue Um, eight catches for 110 and two touchdowns and the freshman just keeps getting better uh, for a Purdue team that like we said earlier probably a little bit better than their record Boston College had seven drives in the first half one of them involved a first down oh god three and out five times and threw an interception on the second play of another drive Will the no. real Scott Leffler please stand up? Well, there he is. Oh, dear. We were all afraid of this. Yep. He got in his own way. The Virginia Tech Scott Leffler's in the building. Yep. And away we go. So we knew this was a possibility. Yeah. I didn't think so. I thought BC might lose this game. I did not think it would be 30 to 13. And right. That's the thing. Yeah. If anything, I thought they'd lose in like a shootout just because Purdue's defense has been so bad. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Mm. Ugly. Rough, rough, rough. Uh, again, not a great weekend for the for the Eagles here. Purdue 30, Boston College 13. Y'all got anything else before we move on? Hope that they enjoyed being ranked. <laughs> yes, and yeah. I get it, everyone in my mentions. You can keep, well, actually me on Boston College now. But nice hindsight. I get right. it. It's fine. I'll, yeah. I'll wear it. It's fine. I Don't did ride for the Eagles. I forget what it was our buddy Dan Rubin said about the last time that Boston College was ranked, but... It was 2007, Man. right? It might have been those Matt Ryan yeah. Boston College teams the last time they were ranked. Like, I'm pretty sure that's right. Don't remind well, me. It was fun while it lasted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll move on. Number eight, Notre Dame, 56. Our Wake Forest Steam and Deacons, 27. Uh, we thought this was going to be close, and Wake was kind of hanging on in the first half, and Ooh. then Ian Book happened in the second half. My goodness, Notre Dame might have found an offense here. Uh. Turns out the backup's better than the starter in true solid verbal form. Um, 100%. Yeah. In both 325, two touchdowns through the air, uh, ran for three touchdowns. Okay. Uh, Notre Dame has an offense now, maybe. Yeah, and I don't think this is a huge surprise if you talk to people around Notre Dame's program. I think they would tell you they were kind of done with Brandon Wimbush at this point and ready to see what Ian Book could do or not do at this point um, because of how limiting to the passing offense Brandon Wimbush was. And clearly Ian Book provided a different dimension here. So, um, yeah, I mean, to me, I reevaluated Notre Dame a little bit in my rankings this week when I ranked teams because I was like, okay, well, if this is the Notre Dame we're going to see, if this is the offense we're going to see, then, yeah, I'm going to look a little bit differently at them. Um, But still, on the flip side for Wake, it's not a good look for Wake. It's not a good look for the Atlantic Division either. Not that anybody had a good weekend in the ACC, but I think, the Atlantic division arguably took even more of a hit because 
you know, Wake was supposed to at least be competitive in this game. I mean, they were semi-competitive last year, kind of not really at Notre Dame. And, yeah, they just were not. And it was so bad it got Wake's defensive coordinator fired. So there's that. Yeah. Joey, uh, real quick, if I were to tell you that Notre Dame won this game by 30 points, how many interceptions did you think Sam Hartman would have had? A minimum of three, maybe four, even five, I can see. Yeah, so 12 of 24 for 110, no touchdowns, no picks. So thanks for yeah. trying. And they sat him down, you know, because they didn't want to get him killed, frankly. And that's not, that's not, that's like wake of old and not like wake in the Clawson era. So that's, that's disappointing. But look, Notre Dame might be really good, but it's still disappointing to see wake get just destroyed like that. If anything, their defense is good. Notre, Notre Dame's. Dame's. Yeah, Notre yeah, Dame's. yeah, yeah. Oh, th- yeah, Sorry. and I felt I felt that way before for sure um, about Notre Dame's defense. I just wasn't sure if their offense would be capable of doing anything, and it might be. Um, at least they give you reason to think it could be. So, I'm real curious to see what happens to Wake Forest's defense from here because they have yeah. done nothing but get worse since Mike Elko left after 2016. Um, you yep. know, with Jay Sobel at the at the helms, obviously it was getting worse and worse, and the secondary in particular just got torched by Ian Book in this game, but. Maybe with new leadership, there's something there. I mean, there's it seems like there's probably still some talent there to some degree, but especially yeah. the secondary, he's looked totally just disorganized. Yeah, and I, you you saw Dave Clawson kind of allude to this in some of his post game quotes about like the guys are talented enough and they're doing the work, we're just not putting them in the right positions. And a lot of weight people were like, yeah, you can kind of see the writing on the wall about what he was leaning towards, and then. You know, I mean, even in the Tulane game, if you look back at that and some of the big plays Tulane was able to get on that defense, that to me was a little bit of a concern moving forward. Like, okay, I know it's week one, but still, that's not something you want to see. Not at all. Yeah, not not pretty for Wake. We were hoping they could be competitive here, but it just really didn't didn't happen. It, it really ended up in a landslide in the second half. Again, number eight, Notre Dame, 56, Wake Forest, 27. Uh, anything else before we move on here? Uh, no. I think we pretty I'm, much I'm still it. I'm still I'm still mad about Virginia Tech and I will be this entire podcast. So <laughs> let's just let's keep it moving. Okay. Maybe we'll bring that back up when we get to the Brian Van Gorder Memorial. You tried a word here in a little bit. Okay. But until then, uh number three, Clemson forty nine, my Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets twenty one. And it's funny, Mike and Lauren, you you we talked earlier last week, you know, about how I figured this is going to be a blowout. I'm not going to lie. I threw myself a little party when Georgia Tech got on the scoreboard. I thought they might get shut out in this game. And yet, like, knowing that they were going to get blown out, I still found a way to be really irritated coming out of the game because a lot of the mistakes that Georgia Tech was making were totally self-inflicted. They fumbled the ball eight times in this game, and most of them were, like, fumbled snaps and like right. pitches to the backs that they just were dropping. Like it wasn't Clemson knocking the ball out. It was them just not taking care of the ball. Um, Big time fumble luck too for Georgia Tech here. Yeah, I was going to say, did, did you see that Bill Connolly tweet about this? Where God, he said apparently like, they everybody, have, like, everybody they have, like, has seen this best turnover luck now. of all time, apparently. Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> like they should have like, it got them like 50 points or something, apparently. Like, <laughs> not really, but that was what Bill Connolly was saying. So like really was, they could have lost by like 50 instead of 20. They had like 24 points of turnover luck That's and a 28 point loss, which is outrageous. Yeah. Um, yes. To be fair, in context, several of these, again, were balls where the quarterback was pitching to the back. They fumbled it, dropped it, and fell on it before anybody else could get near it. But I, I see the sentiment there of, like, if the other team should recover half of it them. Was, it was okay. It was a 23 to 24-point boost. Thanks for thanks to short overslug. <laughs> My gosh. Yeah, and, it, you know, I, I kind of convinced myself for a little bit that this could be a competitive game. Georgia Tech gets the ball right out of the gate. Marches the ball right down the field. They had like 60 yards in their first drive, got into field goal range, and then I believe it was a false start. They didn't block anybody and got sacked. And next thing you know, they're out of field goal range after they were right next to the red zone. Um, So they punt. Kelly Bryant runs two drives for the Tigers, get nothing, and you think that maybe they're in it. And then Trevor Lawrence comes in and the whole thing just flipped. Um, Oh, by the way, that was after Georgia Tech fumbled a ball and Clemson fell on it in the end zone for a touchdown. So that happened in this game. Um, Trevor Lawrence, though, I think we're getting closer to him being uh, him yes. just being uh, Clemson's offense. 
I agree. I was thinking the same thing. That was my biggest takeaway from this game because Kelly Bryan has played really well, I think, throughout this whole year so far and deserves a lot of credit because it hasn't been one of those things where you look and go, oh, it's time. Dabo just wasn't you know, willing to make the switch. And it, it's not at all like the Cole Stout, Deshaun Watson situation from a few years ago. It's just not. But I, I think Kelly's played really well. But um, And they don't win that game at Texas A&M without Kelly. So the fact that he is there is significant for them and has helped them win games. But it's becoming increasingly clear as Trevor gets like used to college competition that it's probably going to be his show. Yep. And like you said, without Kelly Bryant, they don't win the Texas A&M game. It makes me wonder, even if Trevor Lawrence is the guy moving forward, say the offense somehow, I can't imagine this happening given how well Lawrence has played, but say the offense goes stagnant at some point, what does Dabo do? Does he go back to Kelly Bryant? Right, that's true. I think he's perfectly comfortable with shuffling quarterbacks until he needs to get into, I don't know. Until he gets what he wants, yeah. Until he gets what he wants, until he gets late in the season, ACC championship time, which, you know, I will talk about Miami here shortly too, but that could be interesting if Miami ends up being the team out of the Coastal, um, given how Nikosi Perry looked. But, you know, they start getting into the time of year where, okay, we got to rev ourselves up for a college football playoff. Trevor Lawrence has to be the quarterback in those situations because they'll play a team like Alabama who can expose their flaws like they did in last year's Sugar Bowl and Kelly Bryant couldn't push the ball down the field. Trevor Lawrence can. He proved that in this game. Lauren, like you said, I think that's the biggest takeaway of this game is that Trevor Lawrence is slowly emerging as the guy in the offense. Mm -hmm. The offense really takes a different shape with him at the helms. You're absolutely right. And it's funny. I actually think back to a Georgia Tech team in either 2012 or 2013. It was one of the two years that Vad Lee was there that uh, they actually kind of ran what a little bit of like a two quarterback thing where they would bring in, you know, they had a starter that would go two drives. Oh, yeah. You know, the backup would go two drives and then it would just go with the hot hand. And that was a little bit of what Clemson did here, right? Was Kelly Bryant had two drives, wasn't great. Trevor Lawrence has two drives, they score touchdowns, and they just left him in basically, you know, most of the rest of the game. That's a totally valid strategy. Um, you know, you talk about the two quarterback thing, it doesn't really work out sometimes. I mean, I thought it was just fine here for Clemson. Uh, really thought they looked good. Georgia Tech, again, not not great here. I didn't expect him to be good, and they were probably worse than expected. I mean, just yeah. I, I am I'm starting to hear a couple of rumors. People are speculating on the future of Paul Johnson. There might be some sort of news in the next week or so. I think that's total conjecture and just people making stuff up. No, that's not happening before the season's over. If yeah. anything, it's just not. They just signed him to an extension. I don't. Well, yeah. You, you don't. It might not happen him. at all. Right. Exactly. But it's definitely not happening before the season's over. That's ridiculous. The other fun thought that I had today, as these rumors were flying around, is like, okay, just for hypothetical sake, you fire Paul Johnson. Yeah. Then what? Who's calling offensive plays? Oof. Geez. He's the yeah. offensive coordinator. He doesn't have a play yep. sheet. Nope. <laughs> he doesn't have a piece of paper he can hand someone and say, here are the plays that we run. You know, it's like he calls it all out of his head. Like, then what? Mm-mm. That would be bad. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't think that's happening anytime soon. I think at worst, you get some sort of Frank Beamer-ish announcement this week of, oh, at the end of the season, I'm retiring or something to that effect. But Man, I don't know. That doesn't sound like Paul. It doesn't. It really doesn't. <laughs> he's so, not going down without a fight. <laughs> no, no, he's not. He's not. So For better or worse for Georgia Tech. Nope. Yeah, not at all. So, again, not pretty. Clemson 49, Georgia Tech 21. I think Clemson was, of, of the uh, quote-unquote ACC brass, they might have been the only ones that had like a really good-looking week here. They, they just took care of business and rolled. Yeah, they uh, seemed mad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were they were on the whole game, and it got a little chippy at points, and the whole thing. Yep. I mean, Clemson, they were on this. They were annoyed. They, they were ornery for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they sure were. Um, all right. Yeah, Clemson forty nine, Georgia Tech twenty one. We'll move on. Virginia twenty seven, Louisville three. And I'm a, I'm just oh, gonna boy. say, I don't like to be I told you so guy, but I told you for a while that Louisville might be awful this year, and I told you so. Yes. Jeez, man. I mean, I didn't think that they would be as good as some people were saying. I saw them projected a lot as like a middle-of-the-pack Atlantic team. I didn't understand that. Um, I didn't think they'd be this bad, though. I really didn't. This is real bad. Woo. So, turns out Jawan Pass is still playing quarterback. Um, that was wow. a surprise. That was a nice surprise. Uh, okay, I guess he's the guy. 
He's still on the roster. Yep. The um, Bobby Petrino quarterback carousel is back at work, and oh, that's God. that's good news for everybody who is not a Louisville fan, and bad news for Louisville fans. Um, well, as, as a Louisville fan that I like a lot, tweeted at me. Uh, at least they have a lot of bourbon around, so that helps. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, Joey, we need to check in on our buddy Ethan Moore at some point pretty soon. We, speaking we of, do. Speaking of Louisville fans, we like. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and Lauren, just full disclosure, I am also a Louisville fan. My my dad's from there. I'm you know I'm kind oh, of a okay. guy. But yeah, Ethan Moore was kind of hyping us up here before the year about Louisville and Jawan Pass, Puma Pass, as it were, and the whole thing. And uh, I, I started drinking a little bit of the Kool Aid, thinking maybe they won't be fighting for bowl eligibility. Maybe they can be like a seven win team or something like that. And man, it it just really stuck out to me in this game how. It amazes me, and you go back even maybe even to 2016 when they had Lamar at quarterback, but certainly last year even with Lamar at quarterback, Louisville's run game at this point is entirely their quarterbacks. If it's yep. third and if it's third and three, and you want the quarterback to turn around and hand it off to a running back, you don't feel good about it at all. No. And that's crazy to me that that's where they're at as a program. Yeah, it's 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 bad. I I actually think though that some of this is like and karma for Bobby Petrino, not for the reasons that you would think, because um, <laughs> I've seen that out there too. For me, it's like I was so annoyed at the beginning of this year how Bobby Petrino was like, "Oh, we could even be better this year without Lamar," and I'm like, "Stop it!" Like th- I almost felt like it was disrespectful to everything Lamar did to lift up that program during the time he was there and make a bunch of garbage surrounding him look capable. Mm-hmm. that especially last year not so much the year before but definitely last year like I was like you're not being fair to Lamar right now so I did feel like even though Lamar I'm sure is not enjoying this that like it was justice for Lamar that they're so bad without mm-hmm. him in spite of what Bobby was trying to claim and look I've I've drank the Bobby Kool-Aid for a while now too but I think what I've come to think at least in this particular stint of Bobby at Louisville is just that it's not without a really really good player like Lamar I don't know that it's working the way it did the first time around I just haven't seen it yet he's not the pocket I mean Lamar wasn't the pocket passer right Right, and Bobby Petrino it took him a while to actually go to Lamar he finally goes to him and then he has obviously a great career leaves and now we're seeing okay well like you said hey we could be better this year without him. Didn't make really a whole lot of sense other than, okay, well, Bobby Petrino has his pocket passer, and I use air quotes, um, mm-hmm. and pass has been awful. He has been terrible at quarterback. There's no two ways around it. Now, let me ask you this. I'm going to change subjects here a little bit. You know the look that like movie characters give other movie characters when it's like they've been shot or whatever, and they're they're dying, and the other character's like saving their life? And you know the look they give them, they're like, you saved my life, you know, the whole thing? Mm-hmm. Do you think that's the look that Bronco Mendenhall is giving Bryce Perkins this year? Like he should the be. entire season? <laughs> he should be, man. My goodness. 17 to 24 for 197, two touchdowns and a pick, and 14 carries for 78 yards and a touchdown. He led the team in passing and rushing yards. He is a true talent, and he has added a whole other dimension to this Virginia offense. And quick follow-up to that, is Bryce Perkins now going to be considered a capable passer, Joey? Slash Lauren. <laughs> It's starting to look that way. I mean, yeah. And it's it's definitely an asset for him that he can run away, which is not something that Kurt Benkert had going for him as much. So whenever you know he's about to get sacked, he can just run away from pressure, whereas Kurt did not have that. So that definitely helps. But no, seriously, he's he's given them a way different dimension. And I tweeted it. It's not such a hot take, um, obviously at this point, but on Saturday I tweeted doesn't really look like Virginia is going to finish last in the coastal now, does it? Not uh, even a little bit. No, no. <laughs> they're better. <laughs> they are a lot better with Bryce Perkins. That's for sure. Yep. Now their next three games at NC state home against Miami at Duke is, is tough sled. And I think you're probably looking at like one and two in that stretch, but yeah, if you hit the midpoint of the season and you're, I mean, you're four and two or something like, I mean, you're doing a pretty damn good job at Virginia at this point, given what we thought they might be before the season. Yeah. Four or five wins at the midway point. You're obviously looking at a bowl game, which is something that was really, really seemed like a coin flip because we didn't necessarily know what Bryce Perkins was going to be. Thought he might be good. 
wasn't sure it was going to be like this. Of course, all we had to go off of was junior college film. So here we go. And Virginia wins by a little more than three touchdowns here. I don't know. We're going to find out a lot about Virginia here in the next few weeks, though. I really, really thought hard about starting the show by asking, Mike, Virginia's the third best team in the ACC. Change my opinion. I think we're almost there. We're almost there. It might be between it's, them and Duke. It's it's amazing. It's amazing, too, because you and I broke this down beginning of the year, Joey, talking about the depth of the conference and how we thought, hey, even in a rebuilding year, like this could be a pretty deep ACC potentially if all these teams play well and... Actually, it's a complete dumpster fire. So <laughs> now Virginia might be up there as a semi-good ACC team. Speaking of potentially good, semi-good ACC teams, let's move on here. North Carolina, 38, Pittsburgh, 35. Is North Carolina potentially semi-good? I was going to say, I don't know that we're speaking of semi-good ACC teams yet. <laughs> um, but maybe I'm just too biased based on the first two games I saw North Carolina play and neither of them showed me much reason to feel very good about anything related to North Carolina, to be quite honest. Um, the first game they couldn't move. Well, really neither game, they moved the ball all that effectively. The second game, I guess they moved it, but they couldn't score in the red zone against CCU. The first game they couldn't move it at all. And they're against Cal and their defense looked pretty good. The second game, their defense looked like a disaster. So, you know, I, I think, it's possible you could chalk this up to just North Carolina sort of having Pitt's number, but I don't know that yet. I think we'll find out. I don't know how much we'll find out when they go to Miami because they're pretty much we're going to lose that game anyways, but we'll find out if, a little bit more over the next few weeks um, about what North Carolina can or can't be. Um, I still feel like they have a ceiling with Nathan Elliott as their quarterback as well as he might have played against Pitt because he just doesn't play that well against anybody else as he does against Pitt. So I don't know. And and I don't know if Pitt just has like a hang up with North Carolina or what that's all about. Cause I didn't think, I didn't think North Carolina was going to win that game, to be honest. Um, at least on paper, I just didn't, it didn't make any sense to me. And yet, and yet here we are. And they did. So <laughs> my, my argument, I mean, my argument was give me a reason like going into the game, give me a reason to pick North Carolina. Right. And there's nothing that really inspires any confidence in picking them even after this game. Also, will the real Pitt please stand up? Mm -hmm. um, what is going on with Pittsburgh? How is a Pat Narduzzi team this bad on defense? And they I have been. Right. It makes no sense. It no makes sense. no sense, and I don't understand it. Joey, the thing that I've I've brought this up about Pitt a few times this season. Since Pat Narduzzi has been there, you look at Pitt's defensive S&P Plus rating, it's gotten worse every single year. Yes, and I really just don't understand it. It makes no sense. None. Um, and, and every time they play North Carolina and Larry Fedora, even in a year like this where North Carolina's offense was certainly no dominant force like it has been in the past at all, it's like they, they act like it's some sorcery that they've never seen before, and I just I don't understand it. By the way, some something fun or maybe completely not fun at all that I've just figured out. Matt Canada left Pitt after the end of that magical 2016 season where they were scoring like gangbusters left and right. Pitt scoring 35 points in this game is the second most points that they've scored since Matt Canada left. And that's 16 games. They've wow. only once scored more than 35 points, and it was against Rice last year. They scored Easy. 42. That's not good. Pitt's offense is just not fun to watch. Well, you know, they have one second half touchdown cheer. It was in that game on Saturday. What? One. <laughs> it's horrible. It's really bad. It's horrible. really bad. Also, um, the whole narrative about, hey, Kenny Pickett, we're ready for him to take the next step after he played really well against Miami last year. Uh, Kenny Pickett, update. Kenny Pickett, he's a game manager. So how's that working out? Should have stuck with Danucci. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. Ben friggin' Danucci. He played yeah. pretty well against uh, NC State. Just saying. Uh, man, that po the podcast after the bowl game going on two years ago was a lot of fun. Um, I think I'm starting to come yeah. to terms with the fact that North Carolina, Pittsburgh, and Georgia Tech are probably the three worst teams in the Coastal this year. I think that that's accurate, actually. Yeah. Yes, I completely yeah. agree with that. That's a weird feeling that... Virginia and Duke are 
like clearly, obviously better than all three of those programs is crazy to me. That's bizarre. It is. A, it is quite the thing, right? But it is. It, it is reality. I think at this point. I think that's fair. Anything else before we move on here? Uh, no. But I, just from now on, it's a coin flip game with Pitt and UNC, and we'll just see what happens. <laughs> I should have gone to Siri for my pick on that one. You're right. Yeah, definitely. UNC 38, Pittsburgh 35. Let's move on. Florida State 37. That's a big old number next to Florida State's name these days. Northern Illinois 19. Uh, Florida State got it done here, scored some points, and uh, this hopefully gets them some momentum going forward. Probably not. But, hey, uh, DeAndre Francois, 352, two touchdowns. Yeah, he was really good. Um, Their running game still left something to be desired, although Northern Northern Illinois' defense is pretty solid, so I'm not going to – chalk up too much to that they didn't get in their own way too much which i think at florida state at this point is the bar so (laughs) yeah uh fumbled five times actually lost three of them so hey joey that's uh that's how it's supposed to work marginally (laughs) negative turnover luck yeah yeah that's that's how it's actually supposed to work georgia tech's fumbles are a little different than other two's fumbles though (laughs) completely fair completely fair it's Um, really funny to me how it's almost like DeAndre Francois has obviously been the best part of Florida State's offense the whole year, and then they start going to him, and he just produces and puts up a bunch of yards and points. It's it's almost like they should do more of that. Weird, right? Crazy how that works. Oh, um, Northern Illinois' defense that had arms and legs, like I predicted, like getting pressure on DeAndre Francois. I mean, that happened some, but not as much as I thought it would. Yeah, it was not. I was going to say, I thought this would be like a low-scoring defensive battle and it wasn't that so florida state gets some credit for that for me i'll give them that yeah i i am staring at this box score and the thing that is killing me right now florida state 57 carries for 121 yards that's not that's what i was that was the biggest thing that stuck out to me too was that yards per carry and then the total rushing yards it's not and even the sack adjusted yardage is it's too low it's not good Cam yeah. Akers averages less than three yards per carry. Jock, Jacquez Patrick, three and a half yards per carry. Like, how it is that Florida State can't figure out how to run the balls beyond me. But I guess, I mean, that's what you get when this offensive line is what it is right now. Garbage. But they played Complete a little bit garbage, better. Yeah. yeah. They played yeah. a little bit better. Defensively, they were good, though. I mean, you got to give them that. They, the de- defense continues to put forth really good efforts and – they're going to have to live and buy that live and die by that defense right now as far as i'm concerned. Oh yeah. Which is a fun place to be, but you know, anyways. <laughs> um anything else there? Good. Good. Let's move on. Florida State 37 Northern Illinois 19. We'll move on to Lauren your neck of the woods. NC State 37 Marshall 20. This felt like an ultra trappy game for NC State and they they never really even left it to question. I mean, they just kind of came out and took care of their business pretty early on and uh, put this game away pretty early. Yeah. What's interesting to me is it's actually, I think the same score as last year's uh, Marshall NC state game, but it played out way differently. Um, NC state was the team that got out to the lead as opposed to last year, where I think Marshall led by 10 a couple times in the first half. And that was not the case this time around. NC state's defense looked much better this time than uh, we saw them look last year. And, um, yeah, it's like you said, they just sort of took care of business. They were, they were seemingly always in control. I don't think it was ever really in too much doubt. And, uh, Ryan Finley just seemed like whenever they needed him to make a play, he did it. And that's kind of what he's been doing all year for them, you know, run into the line and gain a yard and then gain another yard and bring up like third and eight. Okay. Ryan Finley, will just go ahead and convert that for you on third and long. And that's what he's done all year. And, um, it's worked so far. Will it work against better competition? I mean, I think we'll definitely see over the next two weeks and then um, Clemson after a bye for NC State, and that's when we'll really get a sense of where they're at. But I do think it'll be interesting to see how they play first against Virginia and then against Boston College and what they do in those types of games against you know increasingly better competition because we didn't get to see them play against West Virginia, which kind of stinks, but um, we'll find out. We'll find out more about them in the next few weeks. We were robbed, I think, of the best. We were robbed of the best, one of the best non-conference games of the year. Not even for the conference, yeah. just in general. Um, I mean, it's we the two. You, you could make a case it's the two best quarterbacks in the country, and we didn't get to see them. Not that they play against each other, obviously, but it still would have been cool to see them sort of go toe to toe in that way. Yep. The quote-unquote TV show that that would have made would have been fantastic. Not to mention it would have been a great measuring stick for NC State and where they're at oh, right. right now. 
Absolutely. Um, yeah, NC State takes care of business here. That's good. And Mike, most importantly, this was the last ACC game of the day. And thank God NC State covered because it pulled us both to 500 in our picks for the week. Thank God. We needed that one pretty badly. Uh, NC State 37, Marshall 20. Syracuse 51, UConn 21. Syracuse 28-point favorites, and they covered, Mike. Uh, they did. <laughs> Barely. Um, it's That's fine. The, you know what? Fine. UConn has an improved offense, surprisingly. Um, I, I know. I'm as shocked as anyone. So is Randy Edsel. Uh, right. <laughs> but that UConn defense is just such hot garbage, and Pitt, played or Syracuse played like they needed to play against that terrible defense and so I I didn't really have any huge issue with the way Syracuse played um I know there was some talk this week about would Syracuse get ranked um I was not in that camp yet as a voter because they just haven't beaten anyone just yet um for me to sort of think that they play Clemson close next week and lose I I might I mean I actually I didn't rank Texas A&M until they lost that competitive game against Clemson a few weeks ago. So, you know, if they go up to Clemson and play well and, and still lose, or, I mean, who knows, maybe they'll even win again. I would be kind of surprised, but who knows? Crazier things have happened, right? But um, if they go up there and play well to Death Valley and they, they you know, show me some things, then I, I'd be more willing to rank them. I just – I haven't seen them beat anybody really, really good yet, and uh, obviously they're going to have the work cut out for them next weekend. So this Syracuse team, yeah, they got Clemson next week. That'll be a tough one. Plus, it's a get-back game that Joey and I highlighted at the beginning of the year. We're like, okay, well, Clemson goes to Carrier Dome, loses on a Friday night. Everything happens very poorly. Last year for Clemson in that game, they'll be ready for Syracuse. Um, Syracuse then has Pitt, and then they have a bye week, and then they host North Carolina. That could be for bowl eligibility already in mid-October. Let's do it, Orange. Let's do it. Come on. Nice surprise from Syracuse. Yeah, it actually that could be. And that we didn't think they'd be there because of their schedule, but here they are. Yet here we are. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting here trying to decide of Western Michigan, Florida State, and Yukon, what's Syracuse's best win so far? Probably Florida State, but that's and that's not a compliment. <laughs> it's a close one. <laughs> yeah. Not good. Right. Not yeah. good. Um. Yeah, I mean, none of these teams are good that they've right. beaten. That's the problem. Um. Yeah, I mean, it probably is Florida State, and I think you have to give it to Florida State just because Florida State has more talent than any of the other teams they've beaten. I mean, just pure straight up talent on the roster. Uh, they're not. Uh, man, I don't know if they're the best team they've played so far. Uh, that could be a coin flip. But as far as caliber yeah. talent. I think I think you got to go with Florida State at this point. Biggest thing for Syracuse so far, actually, frankly, Eric Dungy's not broken yet. I mean, honestly, yeah, that's my biggest thing that I'm keeping an eye on for them. Really, he, he tried though last week. Oh, he's always going to try. Yeah, that's what he does. He had three rushing touchdowns this week. If, if we need to add anything onto that, he's he he can't help himself. He, yeah. can't he, help he himself. literally cannot. Yeah, so. the, the, mo- the motto of the offense is living dangerously. Um, I think that's <laughs> what we need to what we need to go with. That's probably fair. Syracuse 51, UConn 21. We'll move on. Number 21, Miami 31, Florida International 17. We got a quarterback change here. Quarterback yeah. change. I mean, really, that was only a matter of time. You say I, that, but I watched enough Mark Rick coach teams at Georgia to know that fair. I feel like he will die on the hill of whatever senior quarterback he brought in with him. Yep. I, and I know the three of us have seen this faction of the Miami fan base. It's Malik Rozier bust. And uh, <laughs> bad day for those people. Bad day. Yeah. Was. So for those unaware, uh, Miami pulls – Malik Rozier early in the game goes to Nikosi Perry and Nikosi all he does goes 17 to 25 for 224 three touchdowns uh, adds 32 yards in the run game I just I'd like to think that this is like a permanent thing and that Miami is actually realizing that they can be a whole lot more if they don't have Malik Rozier at quarterback but I need to see it again here I think I need to see it again you're giving Mark Rick too much credit there I think maybe I I just I don't, I mean, maybe you're right. Like maybe he is stubborn to a fault. I mean, I'm sure Georgia fans would get just as mad about this as Miami fans are, but at the same time, like 
Miami fans are so angry about this, like to the point where they're like booing Rozier and like chanting for Perry. And I just don't see how this is tenable. Like you have to do this now. And I think it's becoming increasingly clear that that's true. If anything, the upside is higher with Perry. Um, of course. That's it can't get worse. Like, yeah. I mean, it's been abundantly clear from the start that upside was higher with Perry. Uh, Cam Underwood tried to tell us, Joey, and literally everybody else. Um, yeah, this is a different team with Perry running the offense. That's clear. Um, don't know what the ceiling is for him, but it's higher than Rozier, clearly, right? Um, and it looked really good on Saturday. Granted, it was against FIU, but it looked good. I mean, 17-25, 224, three touchdowns, had the one pick. But, hey, the off the passing offense especially looked a hell of a lot better. I mean, if that's your first major meaningful gameplay and that's what you come away with, even against Florida International, which there are worse teams than them. They're not a particularly great opponent, but, like, that's what you come away with. You're doing a just a damn fine job as far as I'm concerned. Like – I, I'm with you, Lauren, that I, I don't see the ceiling, you know, or excuse me, I don't see the floor being any lower with Perry than it is with Rozier. The ceiling is is way higher. And that's why I think yeah. you have to you have to go with this, right? Like you've got enough talent around them. The freshman can only screw it up so much, you know, relative to what Malik Rozier's been giving you. Right. I, I'm with you on that. And just it's not working anymore with Malik. Like I actually ended up in my poll this week ranking Miami a few spots higher than I w- was going to just because, okay, my thought was like, all right, well, they're just going to go to Perry at this point. And if they go back to Rozier, my rankings might reflect that because I just, I feel like they have a definitive ceiling with Rozier and with Perry, I'm not sure what that ceiling is yet. So we'll see. We'll find out sooner than later. They get a, a big test this week on Thursday night against North Carolina. So we'll I mean, see I, how they get. I guess. <laughs> Better defense. Better defense, Florida International or North Carolina? <laughs> I still think probably Florida International at this point, yeah. especially with I think that this is um, that's the one question I have is I know that they started to have some staggered suspensions. North Carolina did. And I don't I think you might see some players returning to action, which could help. Um, we certainly saw North Carolina's like full defense against Cal. And obviously that made a decent enough difference. Um, that, you know, they looked like garbage the last two weeks defensively, and then they looked um, pretty good in that opener. So, I mean, maybe it could make enough of a difference, but I, I'm, I'm sure that North Carolina would much rather see Malik Rozier, um, especially considering how last year's game played out, than they would um, Perry. So. Yeah, North Carolina, DM near one. Uh, we could call it a test on Thursday night, more like a quiz, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's kind of where we're at here. Oh, I'll God. That, I'll allow it. That, that game last year was so gross, and I just am not looking forward to a repeat of it. It was, like, one of the worst games I've ever covered in person. Um, and if it's anything as ugly as that, um, we're not in for anything very watchable. I love that that's the version of the ACC that the country's going to get to watch on a Thursday night. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. And got, People, people are going to be like, what happened to Larry Fedora? I thought his offenses were good. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Weird. Yeah, and that's just one half of it. I mean, God forbid the Miami offense doesn't show up because then we might get like thirteen to six with like two with like a North Carolina defense that's atrocious. Like that's that could be where we're heading. And right on a Thursday night, what could go wrong? What could go wrong? Yeah, famous last words. That's yep. fun to think about. Uh, Miami 31, Florida International 17. Last one, Duke 55. They take care of business against NC Central 55-13 here. Uh, Quentin Harris, Daniel Jones replacement goes out of this game with an injury. But, Lauren, it sounds like he's going to be okay, we're thinking. Yeah, he he said after the game that um, he was going to be just fine. Um, and he's he'll – I think that's accurate. Um, he They were just up by so much at that point that there was really no reason to bring him back in. Um, it wasn't a super easy game for Duke as much as it has been against Central in the past. And I don't know that that was just Harris's fault. I think that's just Duke was kind of sloppy on both sides of the ball and, and didn't play as well as it could have. But, I mean, they got it back together and they played the way they needed to, um, you know, in the second half. And they're dealing with a lot of injuries right now on both sides of the ball, quite frankly, that um, I've, been, I've been impressed and blown away with how well they've played to this point. 
um, against, you know, better teams than Central. So uh, I'm not putting too much stock into that. Britton Brown went down with an injury as well. Apparently he could have come back into the game. And Daniel Jones, I don't know if you've heard this, is back at practice. I'm not putting a ton of stock into that. I would be really, really, really stunned if David Cutcliffe was like, oh, you know, sure, I'll put my NFL draft pick uh, quarterback back in against a Bud Foster coach defense that's going to be pretty pissed off this week. I don't see that being a thing that he would do. And he even said, he's like, look, I'm being really cautious with him and I'm always going to err on the side of caution with him. But um, so I'd be surprised to see Daniel Jones back this week. And Harris is, you know, I mean, he's fine. He makes a few throws that you're like, wow, it's pretty good. You know, it's a pretty solid throw. And then he makes a few that you're like, what are you doing? But I mean, he's got the rushing ability as well that helps. And he's got receivers that are helping Duke out more than we've seen in, in recent years, um, whether it was Jones or whoever at quarterback. So um, I think Harris is capable of doing it. I mean, we, we've seen that. I mean, he's capable of moving the offense and Duke's running game is really good. So will it be enough against Virginia Tech's defense? I'm not sure. Well, I mean, good that Duke was able to get together and pull away and avoid the look ahead to a Virginia Tech team that just lost to a bomb at the barrel 0-3 Conference USA team. Um, so that's good. I'm not mad. Um, anyway. Did the ACC lose the um, ACCC USA Challenge? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, dear. Oh, no. Wait, no. Okay, so State beat Marshall, right? What was the other one? Oh, no. The ACC still won. It's fine. Miami beat FIU. I think that was the other one. <laughs> thank, thank God we went two and Woo! one. I think uh, they, pretty, they pretty clearly lost the ACC-AAC challenge. I mean, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah, I think that's clear. Um, they won the MAC challenge, though, as far, as far as I'm concerned. Yes, they won the MAC challenge. The most important one. Absolutely. Right. Naturally. Um, okay. Yep. Ho-hum. Duke wins. Quentin Harris pretty good maybe and it's it helps that he's a junior and i would say yes. too that duke duke themselves are not like they've never been a particularly flashy like fun exciting team but they're just like the model of consistency like mm-hmm. they're exceptionally well coached you know what you're going to get from them their defense plays really sound i mean that's I, I i'm looking at it <laughs> If you had told me a month ago that four weeks into the season there would be three undefeated teams in the ACC, I would not have told you that it was Clemson, Syracuse, and Duke. Surprise! Yeah, I would not have either, so we're on the same page there. But Duke is ranked now, so clearly they're doing something right. But in any case, um, I'm I'm really curious now, hearing the reports that Daniel Jones is back to practice. I was thinking about this yesterday, too. I was like, they play at Georgia Tech in mid-October. I'm like... I could see that. He just broke his collarbone, didn't he? No, it's like, crazy. I feel like Duke's um, Duke's like medical staff is a bunch of sorcerers. I feel like this would basketball <laughs> too. It's like, how did they get back so fast? It's crazy. What did that? What was that? A uh, potion in Harry Potter that like regrew your bones? Like, like oh, I know what you're talking about, but yeah, I don't remember the name. Yes, <laughs> maybe it's crazy. That's an all-time moment for the podcast talking about Harry Potter potions. So that's up there. Go I'm ahead definitely and, uh, here for that discussion. So it's fine. <laughs> We'll go ahead and bookmark that one. Duke 55, NC Central 13. That's all we got on games this week. Mike, we got a couple of awards we got to give out here. We'll start with the dumpster fire of the week, and that's typically been your award, but I'm going to give it out this week. It goes to my Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets offense, uh, who, again, just the model of self-inflicted wounds, fumbling the ball eight times, mostly unforced, uh, penalties and missed assignments, and just a complete disaster right now. Uh, yeah. Well, at least they recovered seven of those eight fumbles and still only managed to lose by four touchdowns, but hey. That's it. Yeah, hey, I mean, that's a competitive game. Again, they didn't get shut out. Didn't get shut out. That's all I wanted. Yeah. Um, next one is the Go ACC moment of the week. This could go to a number of candidates, Joey. Slash Lauren. Who do we got? This is my favorite. This is my favorite. The Go ACC moment of the week this week happens early. Uh, so for those that were watching the uh, the first quarter of the Wake Forest and Notre Dame yep. game, you might have seen. Yep, that's what I was going to go with. <laughs> Wake Forest. Uh, Lauren, who's the most important player on a, on a field goal team? Uh, I would go with the kicker. The one kicking the field goal. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, Wake Forest runs out to go kick a field goal, and there's 10 men on the field. And the one that's not on the field is the guy that's going to kick the field goal. Uh, 
it's really funny. The whole team gets set. The offensive line is set. The holder's on his knees, looking at the center, kind of getting for the snap, looks around, and there's no kicker, and he just puts his arms up. He's like, the hell is this? And you just get this great, great screenshot of the kicker running onto the field with a fully set up field goal team. And it's not like he was in the bathroom or something. He just wasn't paying attention. <laughs> Love it. It's like, it's like Little League where uh, like you go or like T-ball even like you go watch your kids and they're like in the outfield and like playing with the grass or sitting down. And, like, yeah, they're, they're just not paying attention. Yeah. 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 And the ball gets hit to them and they're like, oh, my God. And all hell breaks loose. That's basically what happened here. It was the grown-up version of that. I think the only thing worse is like if he had gum in his mouth and it fell out and he bent over to pick it up while the ball was being snapped. Like that's maybe the only worst kid T-ball version of this. I speak from personal experience for what that's worth. Fair. Um, go ACC to you, Wake Forest field goal team. Not bad. Um, and Mike and Mike and Lauren, we've got several candidates here for the Brian Van Gorder Memorial You Tried Award. We could go with Boston College playing as a ranked team. Uh, Virginia Tech playing defense against a Conference USA team, or Louisville, just Louisville, just Louisville. Maybe their defense, but probably just Louisville. Um, I want to hear arguments here. We might have co-recipients here. <laughs> I was going to say, I think like if we're like using some form of sincerity here, I do think that um, of those three teams, the one who seemed to actually try the most and, and still fail was Boston College. Uh, yes i i really want to feel like virginia tech wasn't trying that hard and that's where that's where that effort came from because that would make me feel better about what about what happened there to be honest with you and then louisville is just i don't even know i feel like louisville just sort of gave up on the season at this point too but they're also just that bad so there's no way to tell so i'm gonna go with boston college i was in the um i was in blacksburg yesterday and i was at the bar and oh, turns out, it turns out I uh, didn't have to try that hard to get drunk after this game. <laughs> so I tried about as hard as Virginia Tech tried <laughs> against OU. So wow. that's where that's where we're at. Mike, Go. I want you to know I had I had multiple Twitter followers DM me to do welfare checks on you, um, just knowing. And I was like, no, no, I think he's just laughing it off. I think it's just the absurdity of it has just consumed him at this point. Yep. Uh, just texted you. I was like, yep, uh, everything's fine. <laughs> Pretty much where we were at. It's like, you did a welfare check. I said, yep, okay, doing all right. At least hey. we hit the over. Red Sox are division champs. Braves are division champs. I got no problems. I'm good. We're good. Yep, we're good. Let's pretend like nothing else happened. Uh, man. Well, what a week four in the ACC. It Probably could have gone a little bit better, but uh, in any case, Lauren, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for coming on and, and, and recapping. Yeah, these games of course. Anytime. Uh, this has been absolutely great, even though the games themselves maybe were a little bit less so. Uh, do you want to tell the people where they can find you if they're looking for you? Yeah, you can uh, find my most of my stuff at wralsportsfan.com. Um, and if you're in the area in Raleigh, um, you can listen on 99.9 The Fan. You can stream us as well, I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, that's where you can find me. And you can find my Twitter at Ellie Brownlow. Good follow, everybody. Highly recommended. Yeah. I'm a high volume tweeter though, so no no uh, no shortage of strong no shortage of strong ACC takes there from Lauren. So go go find her on Twitter for sure. Uh, Lauren, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome back anytime. Please come back soon. Oh, anytime. Thanks, y'all. Yeah, for sure. Well, Mike, we got to get out of here. We're going to come back and preview some games for week five, see if uh, the conference can do any better. In the meantime, they can find us on Twitter. I'm at FGRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel CFB, and together we're at BC Podcast ACC. And once again, she is at L.E. Brownlow on Twitter. Go find Lauren out there and uh, check out her high-volume, strong ACC Twitter takes. Uh, they can send us an email with their questions, comments, concerns to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Yes, sir. Uh, they can find us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, the Overcast app, wherever fine podcasts are sold for free. Soon on Spotify, but not quite yet. Mike, tell them where they can find us on the social medias. Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all of our podcasts there, Joey and Lauren and everybody else out there. Also, rate and review the podcast. Keep doing that. Yes, please do. We, we very much appreciate those things. Also, you can find us on YouTube if you so choose. You can come check it out. Um, we, we've got a budding comments section that is going really great, so come check it out. Um, there's no sarcasm in that, I promise. Uh, Mike, anything else before we get out of here? I think we're good, man. On to week five. Hopefully it goes better than week four. 
I mean, for me it, anyway. Could, I was about uh, to ask. I was about to ask, can it go worse? But I don't know if I want to know the answer to that question. I think it very well could. Georgia Tech has Bowling Green, and I don't want to know the answer to that question. Let's find out together, shall we? Let's find out. We'll come back and preview those games soon. But until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver, and that's Lauren Brownlow. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. And until next time, go ACC. Go ACC. (laughs) 